Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. Welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business. This is Nasser Pasha. And this is Matt Staub. And this is our podcast where we cover business in the news with our legal twists and also answer some of your business legal questions that you, the listener, submits to our podcast at ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. Always have to slow that down for everyone. I feel like if I say it too fast, no one's going to get it. You know, you always bring up the part where we introduce ourselves at the beginning and I never... You always say it's kind of redundant. I never even really thought about it, but I was listening to an episode this morning. Is that the first episode you listened to? <laughs> yeah, or? It was. And it's literally just back to back. So, But I think it's a good way to distinguish our voices so you know who is who if you're talking. I guess that's the benefit of it. That's true. I don't want people thinking I'm Nasser, so <laughs> that would confuse people. Now it's a big mystery. We can do a video podcast and make it easier. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into it. He's still a very relevant topic. The NFL draft happened a couple weeks ago. One of the big stories behind that was Johnny Manziel. So for Nasser's sake, he was a college football player at Texas A&M, became really popular, won the Heisman as a freshman a couple years ago, got drafted. Now he's going to be in the NFL in your home state, actually, playing for Cleveland. Nice. But the, the underlying story here with him is between his sort of presence and Texas A&M, or more accurately, their stadium, uh, I guess he and his longtime friend, who's always in the news with him, had tried to trademark the house that Johnny built in order to have that affiliated with the university. And I guess initially it's been denied, and I don't know if they're... I'm sure they're still going to try to do something with that. But it brings up an interesting thing because he's wanting to trademark this and he's wanting it to be affiliated with the university, but it's just his name, but it would be tied directly into the university. So it's a couple interlocking pieces here, but I can see why the registration was refused. The direct language was consists of or includes a matter which may falsely suggest a connection with Johnny Manziel. So it's kind of what I was hitting to. I don't know if you had seen this at all. Well, I first had to do a bunch of research to figure out who Johnny Manziel was. And I'm still not sure, really. He's won some kind of trophy. But I, it seems as though there's the likelihood of confusion, right? And that's kind of interesting because even though he's not connected to any goods or service, he's just a football player that they denied it, which is not unusual just because they say Johnny Manziel is so famous that consumers would presume a connection. I think that's, <laughs> I think that statement's kind of funny because I don't even know who he was. So I guess he wasn't that famous to people, but I suppose football consumers would recognize him. This is coming from someone who lives in Texas, by the way. And I don't yeah, know, I, I don't know how true. you haven't heard of him. He's for as much, I think a lot of people kind of dislike him now. Uh, maybe, but he he is very widely discussed in any sports, um, sports talk shows, all that stuff. Sure. So the Johnny Menzel family is not the one that tried to file this trademark. It was this Nate Fitch. Who is that? It's someone, and I'm just trying to rem- go off of memory here. I believe it's like a a childhood friend, someone he's always been in communication with, and all these guys always link up with these people that try to make money off of them. If you have a childhood friend that becomes successful, it's, you'll see it with pretty much every professional athlete. So I think it's one of those situations. But he's, I don't know what he does now, but I've definitely seen him in the news before with Mansell, And there's some typical trying to make money off of your friend situation. Yeah. And so what this is implying, right, is that if Johnny Mansell would have filed it, 
then it would have been fine. But because they're trying to file a trademark in using the trademark in a business that's associated with this person, Johnny Manziel, then that's a likelihood of confusion with that person. It's not true. So therefore, we're going to deny your trademark application. Interesting. It's kind of good that nothing's happened right now because <laughs> he is just one player. And I'm sure, although I'm sure he has many fans at Texas A&M, there's probably, I'm thinking more so the players are probably pretty upset that he's basically grabbing all the attention and they're affiliating a whole university, a whole football team with one player. So probably for the best that nothing's happened right now. Yeah, that's understandable too. And the thing is too, is what I think the trademark office is saying also applies to other common law in the sense of use of likeness. You can't, for example, use a celebrity like this football player and associate with a product or service if they have not in fact endorsed that product or service. And that, in fact, is also a liable act on behalf of that company. So I think, in a way, the trademark office was protecting them from more liability. I wonder if Nate Fitch talked to Manziel before, or if Manziel knew about any of this, because it basically says that Manziel's in the driver's seat to one day own the trademark if he wants. So I don't know. I don't know if he had spoken to his friend or, or what the deal is with that. I will say, you said you don't really know, haven't heard of this guy. He did, once he got drafted last week, they sold an insane amount of jerseys, Cleveland Browns jerseys, like right after he got drafted. So he wow. definitely brings in a lot of money. And he, like I said before, he won the Heisman Trophy as a freshman at A&M. So yeah, that's pretty huge. He kind of put them, I mean, they've always been all right, but kind of really put them on the map that year, a couple of years ago. And they were good last year too, but. Well, that trademark's kind of useless though, right? Because the house that Johnny built is referring to the Texas A&M Stadium, right? Right. Yeah. So once he leaves, he's not going to be able to really profit from that, I suppose, because I don't know, it doesn't seem really applicable once he's gone. Well, I think it's more, I, I think he's just trying to sell a bunch of apparel, uh, probably is my guess. Yeah. Exactly. I think he's wanting to prevent the university itself or whoever's in there selling stuff to sell stuff with his name or likeness without him getting any of the proceeds, which happens all the time with college athletes. But what are you going to do? Yeah. We talked about the uh, 11th man. No, not 11th man. What number was it? Uh, oh, 12th. <laughs> the Seattle. 12th man, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was. I, oh, yeah, there's 11 people. I was trying to remember. We, we talked about AM before and I couldn't remember why. And that was, yeah. What, it was Texas A&M that has a 12th man, too? Yeah, that was, they, they have too many trademark issues, for sure. I don't think they've even been a, a player in this little thing that's going on here. I don't think they've done anything. It was more so their name was just kind of... Yeah. They're indirectly related, but I wouldn't be surprised if they filed for a trademark, too, uh, or do something. <laughs> they're smart, If they were smart enough to, yeah. to do the 12th man stuff, then yeah. All right. Well... Johnny Manziel, hopefully that's the last we talk about him because he hasn't even played a snap in the NFL and he's already talked about way too much. So That segment reminded me of those sports talk shows. They get really serious about sports, which, I mean, for me, I think it was more of entertainment, but we're really dissecting some of the sports stuff on here. Yeah, there's too much time and too many shows out there that everything's just so overcovered that, especially if it's any, any big-name player, any big-name city. So luckily he went to Cleveland because if he would have gone to like New York or Dallas, he was almost got drafted by Dallas. It just would have been the internet would have exploded probably. <laughs> well, my brother-in-law is going to be happy. He's had some hard times as a Cleveland fan. Yeah. Let's get into the question of the day. Can I put anything in my contracts that prevents my customers from leaving a negative Yelp review? And this is from the dog groomer in LA, in Los Angeles. Now, I just took my dog to the groomer yesterday. 
and they did not have anything in there. And you left a bad review? No, no, no. They did a good job. I was impressed. I went to a new spot, so... Well, besides independent contractors versus employees, probably Yelp is my second favorite topic because it just keeps coming up. But I think we covered this because we just found that one court that ruled that that company that had a non-disparagement clause, which had a penalty for 3500 who was trying to collect, they were ruled against in the court of law. But the reason that they were ruled against was because they added the non-disparagement clause to their terms of service. There's some kind of online service, I believe, or no, it was an online uh, store. They added it to it after the fact, after the sale of goods. But what's funny is that, okay, they didn't enforce that, but if you were to buy a product now and put a bad Yelp review or negative review somewhere online, this non-disparagement clause would be enforceable. And we've talked about this in the past, is whether or not having a non-disparagement clause, even if it is enforceable, advisable to be put in your contract, because I think you would want to have some kind of loyalty to your brand in the sense, or some confidence in your brand and product or service. Yeah, I mean, I can see it cutting both ways. If you have it in there, whether it's enforceable or not, it might prevent people from leaving any sort of negative review, even if it's accurate. That's right. But if you don't have it in there, then customers might see that and they might not think about it that way. But it's a good thing because it's kind of weird because you're putting it in there like you're almost expecting it to happen or it's happened in the past. Yeah. Exactly. If I said something and I saw that, I would think about it a little bit. Yeah, you would think, okay, well, what are you trying to hide? What are you trying to protect? And when it comes to online reviews, and again, we've talked about this in the past, but the biggest frustration is is that on one hand, it's understandable that there needs to be some kind of way for us to be able to see what other people think about our product or service. But the problem is when it's online, the internet is just so full of stuff that people can say whatever they want, and it could really negatively affect a business unfairly. It's like making something small into something huge all of a sudden because that one person is the only review on Yelp, for example, and then now you have one or two stars with only one review, but you may have a billion other customers that are more than happy. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it is a really, really big issue for a lot of businesses. I mean, this for smaller businesses, a couple of bad reviews can put you out of business, unfortunately, as yeah. crazy as that sounds, but it's true. that's the case. It's just unfortunate. So to answer your, their question, would you put a non-disparagement clause in their contract? contract, how would you advise the dog groomer? So it was weird because the dog groomer, the one I went to before, there was no contract at all. The one I went to yesterday, there was kind of an agreement, I suppose, but it's basically just the only thing in there was, you know, if your dog, if there's an emergency, we have the the right to take your dog to a hospital or a a vet. I was like, well, yeah, obviously I'd want that. So there wasn't anything about a non-disparagement clause or leaving a negative review. For this specific instance, for a dog groomer, I would leave it out just because it's not going to be a situation where you're going to give them... I mean, you're going to present them with something and it'll pretty much only say that on there, more or less. I mean, it's. I think it will just look weird in the, in the circumstance. I, I agree. And also from a dog groomer's perspective, you would benefit so greatly with positive reviews. And just as an example, when you were talking, I started thinking about how with certain services that I use, like a, there's this cleaning service that they clean every week. And when they finish cleaning, they send you an email saying, okay, we're done. But then in the email itself, it'll say, okay, here's our Yelp page if you want to leave any reviews. And then right below that, though, it says it has a whole series of questions and comments. Like if you have any concerns or anything that basically you're upset with, then please tell us about it because we're going to try our best to correct it before you leave a review. And I think that kind of approach is much more positive because most of those people that leave a negative review is is because they feel frustrated and that they paid for a service or product that they didn't feel like it met its expectations. So having a recourse other than 
an online forum is a great way to distract the customers from leaving a negative review. Yeah, you speak from experience that you've had a lot of negative reviews left. <laughs> no, that's not true. I mean, it sounds like sounds like you're upset. Well, I do get upset sometimes when I get cold food or something. Well, I think we answered that. I mean, that's yeah. good advice, as always. I would never give bad advice, I, I guess. I do that all the time. I would never say that on this show. Well, we told people to send in their questions. And yeah, I think that's, that's probably the end of our Monday episode here. Okay, well, have a good week. Yep, keep it sound and keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.